You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Michael, and Gordy, and if uh, everything goes as planned, there is going to be a, um, much like Festivus, there will be some airing of some grievances today, I believe. Outside of hockey, how are we doing today, Gordy? <laughs> I'm, I'm thrown by the Festivus reference now. That's all I have in my head. So I got Seinfeld in my head now, so it's a good day. <laughs> all right, Michael, you're firmly latched onto your Festivus pole, ready to let it fly, right? 100%. I'm ready to go. All right, well, let's hop right in. Five to one. The Flames lost to the lowly Vancouver Canucks, looking like a team that forgot how to play hockey for the, uh, I'm going to go with, the lack of times they've only gone out of the first period this season five times with a lead every other game they've gone into the locker room losing uh at the end of one which is becoming a very very disturbing and maddening trend uh that was the case on wednesday night as well as the calgary flames fell five to one to the vancouver canucks and in a game like that you just look at the box score itself and you're like man markstrom was terrible he wasn't I don't think Jacob Markstrom, I think he was the least of the Flames' problems. Um, I just think he's probably a little bit worn out. Uh, Michael, let's let you hop right in on your thoughts on Calgary's uh, lack of showing against the Canucks on Wednesday. Well, I mean, like for Markstrom at least, it's uh, it's kind of too bad to watch him have to almost take the defense into his own hands by trying to take two guys out during that game. Like. <laughs> I think he's already regretting coming here. He's like, geez, I have to play defense myself. He's just trying to tackle the forwards coming in on on-man rushes now. But, uh, yeah, I thought he had a fine game. Like, it definitely wasn't his best effort. But, like, there was just no support around him for at least the goals against. Like, I'm not quite in the boat that, like, I know the, the 5-1 scoreline looks bad, but I thought their game on Saturday when they lost 3-1 was a lot worse. I just kind of felt like the Flames never really had a chance to get going in that game. They, but, like, when they had the lapses, they were bad lapses. Because at other times, they were actually... It felt like at least since when it was 2-1, they still had a shot in the game, even 2 nothing. But as soon as those two last goals went in, like, everything just fell apart. You knew they were done at that point. But, like, I'm not quite as upset as other people were. Like, I thought I was more upset with how badly they played when they got outshot, like, 45-20 to 20 that other game. Yeah, I I can see that 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 Mangiapane goal looked like it finally like gave the Flames a little bit of momentum, and then as the Flames do, they gave it right back and killed all that momentum. Gordy, do you not like your goalie playing free safety, laying big hits in the middle of the ice? Uh, yeah, that was. I mean, he got away with it once, and I mean, Pearson's yell at him. I hope that hurt or whatever, and I really don't know why he thought he could get away with it a second time, but I probably fair to say he won't be attempting that for a while um but I, I know mike definitely saw some of the stuff i did wow the uh the nut jobs were really out for markstrom's head after one you know i i, I agree with mike i don't even know if you call it a bad game it's no. 
one bad goal. Every other goal was bar down, you know, backdoor passes. It was, it wasn't even a bad game for him. So yeah, I, I, I don't really know how you even begin to blame Markstrom for anything. Yeah, no, I completely, I, the, the minute that game was over listening and reading to what people were saying about him, it was like, guys, how's he supposed to stop a four on one? Like that's, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. And I think he, do you think like he's kind of getting like the kipper treatment? Like, are they going to wear him out and beat him into the ground to the point where he maybe won't be effective sooner than later, Michael? I think to some extent you do have to worry about that, but at the same time, they are paying him the $6 million to be the goalie you beat into the ground to a certain extent. I know the NHL is moving away from that, but I don't know. With the condensed schedule, I bet we're going to see a lot more of Riddick coming up here, including him starting tonight, but I mean, it's a fear, but you also have to see what you really have in March. You have to see if he can handle the load of being a guy who starts 80% of the games a year because he is their best player right now and he probably will be their best player throughout the season. So I think you have to ride him. And even though you're kind of risking, like with Kipper kind of falling off, like it's just, you've got to do it. You've invested in it. Like at this point, you can't be like second guessing how much you're starting your star player. Gordy, your thoughts on that? I don't want to talk about uh, starting him as much as they did because I, I think most of my th- thoughts on that will fit better to our coaching talks a little later. But I, I know a lot of Vancouver fans were saying when Markstrom gets tired or when he's overplayed, he starts to do kind of crazy stuff like we saw in that game. So, I mean, it, it never really, I mean, got – I mean, bit the flames when they overplayed Kiprasov, but in a short season like this where there really is not as much need, they they should be playing Riddick more. It, it reminds me of that 2017-18 season where they had the Mike Smith-Eddie Lack tandem and they just never played Lack because they knew how bad he was going to be. Like, they just tricked themselves into thinking that, you know, even if they have a horrible backup goalie, they never have to play him, so it doesn't matter until they got rid of him and replaced him with Riddick. So if Riddick is the kind of guy you can't trust to lighten the load for Markstrom, then they they really need to go out and find someone different because I, I think they're overplaying Markstrom in all honesty. That actually, you kind of stole thunder for the next question. Are they are they afraid of David Riddick? With, you know, he's played fairly well uh, in the last couple seasons with Calgary, but you do notice with him when the workload starts to build up, he gets hurt. And then he starts to get a little bit loopy. Um, Michael, are they, does it look like or sound like they're potentially afraid of giving David Riddick too much time? I think there has to be something there, whether it's like a motivation thing or just they're not comfortable with him only playing every now and then. It just, it really, at least for now, feels like that they're not willing to go through. Maybe that's just because they have had almost every night has been a fantastic performance from Marks from that you just can't go away from that. But I think we've also seen the Flames up until this last week against the Canucks haven't really played too many of the bad teams either, so they might have had to ride Markstrom there. But, yeah, I would like to see them play Riddick a bit more. But, again, when Markstrom is your star player, you I think he deserves most of the starts, and so far he's earned all of his starts. So it's not like they're purposely not giving that to Riddick for another mediocre goalie like Akari Ramo or something. Like They're giving it to the guy who's unquestionably the MVP so far this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. It's not like Mark- Markstrom has had two or three clunkers in a row where they're like, all right, we got, you know, and been like, well, Riddick's just so bad. We'll just keep riding Markstrom out. He's just played so well. 
Um, even when they lose like games five to one, he's played really well. I mean, the other night, the, the was it the 46 to 19 night where they were outshot, he was brilliant. Um, they were just horrible around him. Um, Gordy, you jumped into uh, partially into that a little bit earlier. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is, is there a coaching and leadership issue with this team? Um, personally, you look out on the ice with the players Coaches are hard to read because, you know, they've got the mask on on the bench and you rarely see them during the game unless they screw something up. But the players on the ice, like, is there something like I kind of feel like they're in a very like tough spot in the season where, like, if things go bad for a couple games, I feel like this team could fracture. Um, is there a leadership issue, Gordy? I, I think there must be. There's it's it's either a coaching issue or it's a leadership issue because, this team, every single game, I wish they would just cancel the media availability because this team has saying the right things down to a T. They have it memorized, and then they go out on the ice, and they don't show that any anything they say registers with themselves. They don't show that they, they do what they preach. And when, when you can't motivate guys to do what they need to do, it, it is a coaching issue. It is a leadership issue. Where that stems from, we'll never know because we're never in the locker rooms. But when you're when your captain is one of perhaps the most floundering players out there, one of the guys who's struggling the most, like I don't know how much energy Giordano can dedicate to helping the rest of the team out when he's, you know, more or less struggling to keep himself together out there. Yeah, Mark Giordano's like the fall off for him has been so steep and so fast he almost looks like a guy that should have retired last year or he should be playing on the bottom pairing getting very limited minutes um just hasn't been effective and i mean we joke about it but it does seem like every time he shoots the puck it's never even close to being on net and that weak wrist shot from the point never gets through anybody gets blocked and ends up being cleared so his effectiveness which i hate to say because i love mark giordano it's just hard to see a guy fall off a cliff that fast who was a Norris trophy winner just two seasons ago. Uh, Michael um, leadership, potentially like wh what are you seeing out there? I'm just seeing a team right now that seems really fractured. I don't even know if you can put all on the coaching staff or all on the leadership, but it just seems like there is a, a big disconnect between a lot of the players on the team. Like for me, it almost seems like something would happen during that team meeting with Kachuk and the rest of the team or Kachuk and guys like Kadrill, where it just seems like, for whatever reason, they're just not really playing hard for each other anymore. It just seems like they're kind of going there, collecting their paycheck, playing if they want to. Kadrill's having a good season, but it just doesn't seem like that same drive is there across the board from the entire team. And I think when the team is performing well, that means the coaches have to make changes they wouldn't make. And then the coaches aren't particularly making great changes either. Like it just seems like it's everything hitting them at once. And I really don't know how you really fix a problem like this, unless you make a major change, even if it's like a Sam Bennett trade or something like, I think we're at the point where something needs to change. Like it's not going to be something they can just solve by what doing their famous riding on a train or having a beer or something like it just doesn't seem like something they're going to fix just by talking it out at this point. Yeah, these players only meeting things are clearly not working. You know, they sit down and it's like, uh, I think Brian Burke said it like on his last night on um, Hockey Night in Canada. He said, you know, those things have a shelf life of like two days. You know, you you have that players only meeting and everybody's amped up and you get out there and you play well. And then everybody inevitably just falls back into bad habits. And the Flames didn't even have a chance to do that. They came out of that meeting and they were still terrible. Um, I want to talk about coaching for a minute. I, I think 
personally, just from watching the other night, watching Jeff Ward just literally throw anybody on the ice with anybody, like the lines were a mess. Uh, I, I kind of feel like he's in over his head. And his coaching, I think, shows that where he panics, where he doesn't let things. And look, we all know I'm not uh, the biggest Sam Bennett uh, booster, you know, in the hockey world. But like Bennett really didn't get a solid chance to get up there with Goudreau and Monaghan for a decent amount of time to see if it would work. And he's yanked off immediately. Goudreau's playing with he might as well be out there by himself at times. You know, and he's out there sometimes with Levo and he's out there with uh, Simone and being out there with Monaghan at this point is like playing with just without a line mate, without a center. Um, is Jeff Ward in over his head? Somebody please, please feel free to jump in and take that one. I, I'm going to show my inability to keep track of time during this pandemic, but I know we, we talked about Jeff Ward. I think it was right after the flames got eliminated and they were debating whether or not to bring him back. And it's, it's exactly what I said after that playoff series, Jeff Ward, his, his decision-making is just not, is not NHL head coach caliber. He clearly shows he has no idea how to handle goalies because, I mean, Jacob Markstrom starting at whatever, seven games in a row, whatever he started isn't right. The way he handled Riddick and Talbot in that Dallas game was horrendous. Even the way he put Riddick in in this last game, like why? If 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 you had the, you know, the inkling that you were going to put Riddick in at some point, why didn't he start the third period? Why did you let Markstrom start that third after you know, a bad end to the second if he had a goaltending change as a possibility. And then, yeah, like you're saying, all these these lineup changes are just mind-boggling. Nikita Nesterov played probably the worst game of a Flames defenseman this whole season last game, and that's on the heels of Connor Mackey playing two fairly solid games where he really had no reason to come out of the lineup. I see that Josh Levo is out of the lineup again tonight out of all the bottom six guys he's been he's arguably been one of the more noticeable ones I think this is his third straight game on the bench now I don't know how Dominic Simone goes from the bench to the top line and does absolutely nothing with it for the billionth time and it's just his his decision making continuously perplexes me it really bothered me when they were deciding who they were going to bring as a head coach and he said that he would be fine going back to assistant coach because that that almost leads me to believe he also thinks he's in over his head so I mean I feel for the guy because he was thrown into the position under circumstances that nobody could have foreseen but I I don't really know why he's getting this long of a leash with this team yeah, that quote, uh, he would be fine going back to being an assistant coach should have been everything the Flames needed to know. That guy's not a head coach. Uh, Michael, uh, part of the thing, too, I think that leads to, I don't think Jeff Ward is going to be the big change. I don't think he's going to be fired. Um, you know, Calgary's got nobody coming to games, right? There's no revenue coming in from ticket sales and concessions, merchandise, stuff like that at the arena. Can they afford to fire Jeff Ward? and hire another coach? Because if you fire Ward, he's Brad Treliving's guy. Don't you technically have to fire the GM as well, too? Even though I don't think Treliving has been a horrible GM with the Flames, but you're now on, what, his third coach with the Flames? Like, at some point, isn't the coach and GM, aren't they tied together, Michael, or am I way off on that? I think at this point, we have to just acknowledge that kind of this is the last shot for the Flames across the board until they make player changes. Like, I've, we've had all these coaching discussions before the last five, six years, and 
it always seems to boil down to after about a year that's like, oh, this coach isn't working. They need to bring in a new coach. That'll fix things up. And sometimes it does for a bit. But for me, I think, like Gory said, Jeff Ward is in over his head. I think he has some sort of thought process where any change must be good change. And, like, for example, when he changed the D pairs up a few games ago, like after that one bad game, like I don't personally really get that. I thought guys like Giordano and Anderson were playing well together. I thought Val Mackey and uh, – Nestroff for Val Mackey and Mackey were playing well. Like I, I just don't get this penchant he has for change for the sake of change rather than actually making changes that make sense. And if he can't really figure out what changes are sensible and what changes are him just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks, then I think that's a pretty disappointing position for the head coach of your team to have. And then getting back to your question. I don't think they can make a change this season, even with just like the COVID things. It'll take a couple of weeks for a new coach to even get here. Like, if they're doing a change, it would have to be somebody in-house assistant coach coming up or somebody they like, like that, just for the season to make a change. But like you said, this is True Living's guy, and if he fires another guy, I think he has to know he's next out the door by the end of the season, probably. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think if you fire your head coach right now and you just keep it in-house, you're kind of admitting that this season is a wash. And uh, we'll start again next year. And I think for a team that's this talented, I don't on paper, I don't think that's a smart decision. And I I also wonder too, like, you know, you go back to, you've got, um, you had Peters, you got Ward now. Before that, you had Glenn Gullitson. I mean, had fantastic suits and ties. Not a good head coach. Um, you had Bob Hartley. Um, I'll look. I I sometimes get a lot of garbage because I'm a big Bob Hartley fan, and part of me is kind of a glutton for punishment because i like that era of flames players um you know the goaltending wasn't very good but they were fast they could score they were at least exciting to watch um it's part of the problem that the manage- management brings in a seven hundred thousand dollar coach like they bring in three seven hundred thousand dollar players to fill out the bottom of the roster you know is could a more qualified coach get more out of this current group of Gaudreau, monahan uh kachuk giordano you know guys like that is is maybe more this, you know, we always say it's sometime, at some point it's got to be the players or it's got to be the coach, but maybe it's management. Maybe, you know, it's time to open up the purse strings a little bit and actually get a qualified, bona fide NHL head coach in here to run this team. Anybody want to touch that quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because I don't know if you even necessarily can call Jeff Ward Brad Chelving's guy just because, he was he was his you know associate coach. That's who he hired him as, and you can argue that he did rehire him. But again, it's like Mike said, like it's under COVID conditions. Where if they were going to hire somebody else like that, that would have been a little bit of a pain. And who knows if they even have plans for Ward beyond this year. Personally, I'm I've always been and continue to be a huge Brad Treloving fan, but that's more more due to his. Um, player involvement and you wonder if losing a guy like Brian Burke in a position like president of hockey operations like you wonder if Brad might need some maybe a little more seniority when it comes to making decisions along the lines of uh, coaching and personnel changes but at the same time this ownership group the entire the entire duration of their you know their ownership of this team they have never ever splurged on a coach they have always picked AHL guys other teams assistant coaches it's just not in their dna to go out and get the Gerard Gallants and the the proven big name guys yep and the regular season record and 
early playoff exits completely shows. Michael, you want to add anything to that before we take a quick break? Uh, yeah, real quick, I'll just say that like while I would like to eventually see them go for a coach, I think at least for the management, they're, they've been waiting to see if there's any like glimpses of potential upper-end talent or the team working well together on these mediocre coaches. And I think maybe they're just not willing to fully buy into it until they see this team is taking steps forward. And I'm not sure if we can honestly say they have over the last few years. I know they had the one good season under Peters, and I thought his strategies at least were pretty good. I thought he had the team playing a good offensive game. It's kind of a shame when he had, when he left that they moved to a coach that plays a much more defensive game. I think if you are looking for a new coach, you have to look for someone with more of a Peter style where it's much more offensive and much more focused on scoring, but then kind of, I think as a whole, the team's taking a strong step forward defensively, but like if this team isn't playing offense first, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games this year. No, I agree. This is a team that's built to move the puck offensively. You don't have guys like, I mean, Lindholm is a good, def- you know, he's a good two-way player. Michael Backlund is probably the best two-way player the Flames have. But both of those guys are extremely talented offensive players. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau's two-way game is, I said the other, I think it's a revelation. He's playing so much better. He's got, it looks like Gaudreau has that fire in his belly, and but he's an offensive guy. Monaghan's supposed to be an offensive guy. You know, this is a team built to move the puck quickly because they have speed and score, and they're just not doing it. And I, it's it's clearly the system. So we'll put that to bed, and we'll take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to say, what's up with Matthew Kachuk? Uh, his game has gone completely off the rails, off the tracks. There's no more train. It's been derailed. And then we're going to touch quickly on the Battle of Alberta, which starts tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain Time in Calgary with the Flames and Oilers going tonight. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox, and we will be right back after these messages. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to The Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Magic and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, and Gordy here today. I think we all aired our grievances in the first half of the podcast, and we'll continue doing that in the second half. Uh, Matthew Kachuk. I think most of us for a long time touted Matthew Kachuk as the the future captain. Give him the C. He's the guy who's got the room. He's the leader on the ice. Um, the last couple of weeks, I've changed my opinion on that. I know the letter and you know the, whoever's wearing the C is kind of like plus minus at this point. People kind of look down upon it, but... I don't think Matthew Kachuk has been a real leader for this team as of late. Um, his kneeling down, watching his man skate past him for what was that the fourth goal of the night against Vancouver and just sitting there, not even trying to get involved in back in the play to me was eye opening. Also him getting in a scrum where his teammates didn't come to help him. Uh, whatever was said in that meeting has clearly affected him. Uh, Michael, what, what's going on with Matthew Kachuk? I think he has just lost that extra drive he had to do the little things for this team, whether it's what the team said to him by in that meeting or when they don't really support him when he gets in these scrums anymore. I just think he's kind of just burnt out, honestly, at this point right now. And I will give him some, uh, I, don't, I don't think credit's the right word, but I will give him some, some, like leeway. some of a break on it. Yeah, a little bit, because like 
in a year like this, you can't really get away from hockey at all. Like you're either locked in your homes, you're locked in your hotel rooms, you're pretty much only going to the rink. Like there's not a lot of room for these guys if they're in a slump to really like get their minds off it. But for me, one telling thing for him was I think it was before the last game, somebody asked him in the media, like, how do you think your play has been kind of hinting at like your play hasn't been great. And he just like barely even touched it. He thought he was still playing fine. Like, this seems like something that he's not even willing to like acknowledge, and that kind of worries me more because he's a guy who's coming out and taking ownership for things. He took ownership in the last playoffs, even though he barely played. Like, There's just something where he's totally disconnected from the team and the direction they're trying to go right now, and my final hope is that maybe it's when they play the Leafs again, he can punch Muzz in the nose and get out of the system, but <laughs> at that point, that's all I think we have to hope for at this point because he hasn't shown anything really since then to – least believe it's anything but a mental thing going on right now. Gordy, where do you sit on the Matthew Kachuk fence? Yeah, I, I really wonder, and this isn't just a Matthew Kachuk thing, but I really wonder how much significance the the people who make decisions in this league, how how much like how worthwhile this season truly is. Because like the the player and the way Matthew Kachuk plays, it doesn't work in an empty stadium or an empty arena. It doesn't work with no fans. There's, there's no honor. There's no, you know, team lifting energy to creating scrums and playing, you know, the way he plays when you can like, you can hear the, you know, whispers on your own bench from the other side of the ice. So I, I really wonder with, you know, with all these guys, with how many guys are, you know, have their jobs on the line, you know, according to the fans, all these guys on the chopping blocks and how few changes are actually being made. If how much, you know, um, worth is actually put on to things that happen in such a strange one-off season. So it's tough. It's, I mean, he had no points in that whole Vancouver series. He's only got 15 penalty minutes in 16 games. He's just not playing the way we expect him to, but like, I really wonder if he's ever going to play the way we expect him to the rest of this year. Cause it's just, it's not worth it. It's not, you're, you're not going to get the same things out of it that you would in a regular season. And if he doesn't play like that, I wonder if it truly is that big of a deal or if this season is just kind of uh well, let's just, well, let's see what happens. We'll do what we can do and we'll come back next year. But personally uh, there's, yeah, I, I love Matthew Kachuk, but I feel for him at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of tough to be the bad guy in an arena where nobody's booing you. You know, a guy who feeds off that kind of negative energy that, you know, he's almost like the heel in wrestling, you know, when it comes down and the crowd's booing him, like that's his thing. And I, that's a very valid point. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of would like to see him get back to that game, but I don't know if he's kind of been like a dog that's had the correctional collar put on him, you know, and if he gets too wound up, he gets zapped just to remind him who's the boss, and it's clearly not him this season. So um, I just feel like there's a lot going on in Calgary right now that's not good. And as we come into the Battle of Alberta, um, these it's only two quick games. You know, it's a I think it's one in Calgary tonight, and then they're off to Edmonton to play too, but Edmonton is playing well lately. Um, I looked it up today. They have, in their last seven wins, they have 17 goals in the first period. Um, I think uh, I looked it up, and it's also, I think, like, um, Dreisaitl and McDavid have 11 points total, and I think, like, those seven wins or whatever. It's something ridiculous like that. Uh, the Flames have to play well in the first period because Edmonton can, Edmonton can move the puck. They got a new goalie coming in with Riddick there. Uh, they're going to 
guarantee they're going to test him early. They're going to try to put the flames on their heels. If they're smart, they got to get under Kachuk's skin because he's not doing anything. Um, am I wrong? This could get pretty ugly pretty quickly tonight. No, Michael? I, I I don't know what to think about the Flames anymore. Like it feels like if if they fall behind early, it could just fall apart. But yet they've been doing that all year, and they've come back in quite a few games. Like I really don't know what to expect from this team on a night to night basis. They could come out with their best performance of the season out of nowhere. It's just there's so much with this team that's like if it goes right, it could go really well, and if it just if it isn't right, things just absolutely fall apart and. I, I'm I'm kind of just bowing out of giving predictions or thoughts anymore on how they're going to be on a night-to-night basis because it's just it's not even worth the brain power at this point. Not saying I have much, but it's just not even worth it. <laughs> point taken. Fair enough, Gordy. Uh, even in the the Flames' six-four win, they were down. I believe it was three to one after the first period to Edmonton. Um, and that was with Markstrom and Net and a team that was still had some energy and was still you know, look like they had some, some life and some drive in them. Uh, what happens if they're down three to one at the end of the first period tonight? I mean, you can't pull Riddick, right? Riddick has to ride this whole thing out no matter what the score is. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. And honestly, I was pretty nervous going into that first game against Edmonton too, because Calgary came off not looking all that good against Winnipeg in their series right before that. And uh, like, I mean, these two teams always get up to play against each other. So yeah, it's like you guys have said, I, truly have no idea what could happen tonight. I don't know how much credence I put on the Oilers, given that four of their last eight have been against the Senators, but they're better than the Canucks, and the Canucks sure gave Calgary a... Honestly, I thought all four games Calgary got outplayed by Vancouver. So, yeah, we'll see how they play tonight. If, big if, big capital I, capital F, the Flames get the doors blown off them tonight. Is it time to panic at this point? I know short season we've gone over, you know, talking about the crowd and, you know, it almost seems like there's a lame duck coach on the bench. But, like, is it time to panic if the Flames get blown out by Edmonton tonight? Michael? I mean, oh, sorry. Oh, Gordy. No, go ahead, Gordy. Go. Hop right in. I was just going to say, I don't, you can panic, but it's like we've been saying. I mean, what's the point? Because you're, you're not going to go through the trade process of waiting two weeks for guys to get here. You're not going to fire your coach and – try to fill in with somebody that has to quarantine. Like there's the panic, of course, will set in if if they get blown out, but there's no point. Nothing's really going to be done. I don't think essentially no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you saw how long it took for uh, the the Patrick Laine, uh Pierre-Luc Dubois trade to go through, uh, at least on Luc Dubois' end, you know. It's so, yeah, it's, it would be impossible to make any kind of major move. Uh, Michael, uh, you panic mode or you kind of like Gordy, just kind of like indifferent, like, look, if this season's trash, we chalk it up to it being trash. Yeah, I'm kind of in that boat where you can't really go out and make panic moves, but I'm actually of the strong opinion that no matter what happens this weekend, that if the Flames really believe they have a team that's going to make the playoffs this year and have any shot contending, I believe this is the time they actually go out and make that big trade because I think right now what this team needs and this coaching staff needs more than anything is a vote of confidence. And I think you get that by going out and making that big acquisition, whether that's like a rental or somebody to bring in, because at this point, like if you wait any longer, like you guys kind of said, you're getting too late into that season by the time a player gets here. But I've kind of been looking at the numbers. They play Ottawa something like four or five times in the next few weeks. Like in theory, if they're waiting for a guy to come, they should still do okay over that stretch. But 
for me, I think it's the time you hit the button on a big trade now rather than waiting until the deadline when you're not going to get a guy until April 1st, most likely. Like, I think, given, I wouldn't call it a panic trade, but I think it's time for this team to, like, really just go all in on a season. They did that with Markstrom. They have their core right now. They, they've been talking about changes to the core after the season. Like, I think, especially with how the draft works this year and no one knows how the first round will go, I think this is the time right now where you go all in on a big trade, even though it sounds crazy with how questionably they played, how questionably they're coached. Like, I think at some point they just have to say, screw it, we're all in on this team and this coaching staff. Yeah, and Even actually, though they're not that great. Yeah, no, and you actually, the point you made was where I was going to come back after this was, now's the time to do it. But uh, you could probably, whoever you're going to deal, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to put a name out there because whatever you have Ottawa coming I mean, you got Toronto a couple times in the in-between, but you got, you got Ottawa coming in. I agree. If you're going to, if, 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 if you're going to do something, now's the time. Um, Flames Twitter was a buzz the other night of Jack Eichel with trading one of, you know, Dustin Wolf and, Rasmus Anderson and a first round pick and somebody else to get Ike. Like, I don't know if you're making a deal like that to bring in a huge name like that. Cause I don't know how that would mesh and gel, but um, yeah, if you're going to make a move, I think the time is now, or you just ride it out and wait until the off season. Um, anybody else have anything they want to add tonight? Um, you know, we typically do predictions. I predicted Edmonton five, three tonight over Calgary. I just, I don't have a good feeling. Gordy, what do you think tonight? Um, well, as bad as it gets, at least we're fairly confident that Matthew Kachuk won't say go Oilers for a measly forty dollars or <laughs> whatever he got. That Zach Cassian thing was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> that is—I don't know how he did that. That is, there's no amount of money that should have gotten him to do that. I'll—I'll I'll say four-one Flames. But again, like I said, my predictions have not gone well this year. <laughs> Michael, I know you said your brain hurts and everything else, but what do you think? Well, yeah, I'm going to just ride with the Flames continuing the roller coaster of maximum chaos. I think they're going to actually have a really good game tonight, win like 4-2, something like that, like a really steady put-together game, and then they're just going to come out on Saturday in Edmonton and lay an absolute egg, and everything's just going to devolve into chaos again by like Sunday. So that's what what I think I'm going to ride with. It's just a team that looks great one night and terrible the next night, as we've seen all season. Fair enough. What did Shane say in the chat the other night during the game? He expects the Flames to win like nine to three tonight. Monahan have a hat trick and everybody to think he's back, and then he goes back to being invisible. That would be the ultimate. Like that would be the if you're going to take a snapshot of the Flames season so far in 2021, that would absolutely be it. But we could go on for probably an hour about Sean Monahan, and maybe we'll tackle that next week. Um, anybody have anything else they want to add before we head out of here? Michael Gordy, anything? Nope. Nope, we're good. We, 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 we get everything we off our chest. We 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 feeling slightly better now? <laughs> nope. No? Okay, great. Yeah, either I'm going to go put on my skates and go skate outside. That'll make me feel better. So, all right. Well, thank you all for listening to the Tinderbox today. If you liked this episode, please look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iTunes. Just search up the Tinderbox, Matchsticks and Gasoline, or Calgary Flames in the podcast section, and you will find us. Gordy and Michael, thank you so much for joining me. It's the Flames and Oilers tonight. Game number two of their season series of 10. 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time for knuckleheads like me who live on the East Coast. In Calgary, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's better than what happened in Vancouver. Thank you all for joining us, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox. Tinderbox.